Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Salt Mine. This is going to be episode 8, rounding out the NACL regular season. We have got all 16 seeds. The bracket has been appropriately seeded and should be publicly available at this point. And we are going to break it all down here. My name is Gordo. I am joined by Nyarko and TDS, as always. And we are going to open things up with Player of the Week, as we often do. And we're going to keep it a little bit shorter this week, as we want to get into our first, second, and third All-Pro teams for the NACL split, and uh, and then get into some of our predictions for round one of the brackets. So this one might end up going a little bit longer. Let's open it up, though, guys. I want to hear about Player of the Week. We'll start things off chatting about the seventh and final week of the regular season and uh, some of the fun occurrences that occurred within. And I think I'm going to start here by shouting out a team that hasn't got a lot of spotlight, at least positive spotlight, especially for something like player of the week. But I'm going to go Wixie from Immortals Challengers. Shout out to Wixie's dad, by the way, who on Twitter <laughs> has just been kind of praising and tagging along with Wixie's journey. Really heartwarming. And I just wanted to highlight there that, you know, some parents actually do very much enjoy the fact that their kids are getting into esports. And that's been a lot of fun to see. Um, but outside of just the dad praise, we also got to just praise the gameplay that they've displayed throughout this week you know taking a game off of a team as hot as fly challengers is right now is no small task and while yes it was a little bit of a balulu diff i will give you that gordo and your balulu stocks will continue to balloon um wixie also had a really standout performance on that jinx and i think that elsewhere in their super week that they've had to sustain uh it really was all about that bot lane i was just very impressed from start to finish with them so i was just gonna say I or wanting to follow up, obviously, like Wixie was one of the players that I agree. I'm being more impressed with with Immortals. Immortals is a team that feels like he, there's not many things that I can be impressed with them in a lot of times. So Wixie certainly one of them, the, one of the ones that I'd be willing to to agree on and and actually like give a lot of credit to because I think that he's been improving at a really fast rate, like which is each opportunity that he has gotten from last year to this one. So it's really nice to see. I was also going to say is Wix's dad the NA equivalent to Cap's dad? <laughs> a little bit. Maybe once he starts rolling up to events. Uh I've been a fan of Wixie all split long though, I will say. Uh Yarko's right though. I give a lot of credit for this week to Balulu. That guy I, I, something switched on in him when he got that LCS promotion. He's just, he's playing yeah. at another level now. And uh, I will say overall, um, as just a high level note, I hate uh, LCS teams having their LCS starters sub in for Academy. Like it, it just feels like such a nonsensical thing to go for. Like the, the tenacity sub in this past week, or even going yeah. back to week one when like uh, Chime played a week here and a Blaze Olive played a week before Belulu got here. Like, just go the EG route or and or the Hundred Thieves route. Or uh, Flyc. Yeah, go it, just sign a sub for like a couple weeks. Pay them what they're you know pay them whatever you have to pay them. I don't understand why you would be splitting time with your LCS roster. That's just such a disadvantage across the board. Besides the sub talk. I don't think anyone should be going the EG route. Uh, they are not looking too hot right now, but I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit deeper on when we talk about bracket for now. Let's talk about player of the week. Sure. But, but like fundamentally, right. Is like, 
because what for like Balulu, for example, you know, one of two worlds, either he's splitting scrim time between the challengers team and the LCS team, which is just bad on both fronts, or he's not scrimming with the challengers team at all. Uh, and they either, they either have like another sub that they just don't use on the stage games uh, or they're not scrimming entirely because they don't have a player. Like, all of these options are just terrible. Like, just just sign a dude. It, it could be anyone. Literally anyone would probably be better than uh, subbing in your LCS guy. Maybe not for your results, but for, like, managing an effective LCS team. We'll say it happened at the in the last couple of weeks as well. So it's not like you have to pay them, like, the whole split. You just need... Uh like a patch to be able to survive for for until you actually get a replacement you want to or you can keep him like there's good options that you can opt into it like Gordy saying i don't like when they are doing that because realistically the team that is getting impacted is the one that takes less that that the of course that the team cares less about so it's going to be the challengers team like the lc's team takes priority and i pre i'm pretty sure bolulu was screaming with their challenger team and not with the challengers team at all and now to follow on the player of the week conversation, though, I agree with one of you two on which the, the player of the week is, and that is Bolulu. I think he really was the standout, like, overall to me from, from a lot of the players. Obviously, I'm, as always, as I always say, biased to a certain degree for mid laners. So Bolulu performing the way he did really just pushed 100, th uh, 100 thieves, uh, IMT that little bit much. And it's also one of the reasons, really unlucky that he doesn't get the opportunity to be on, at least on mine, play, uh, player uh, all pro for the split because of his of him moving upwards towards MT. Because I think that he has been performing amazing and this week was his week, shining through 100%. Yeah, do love me some Balulu. I do agree, though. It's a little bit cheating to give him awards like this because he's an LCS player now, baby. So he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't have the same... Um, you know, not the same criteria as the NACL players. And so for that reason, I actually think my player of the week uh, would be going to Jenkins. Um, I think Jenkins had a great week. Uh, really surprising 2-0 against Cloud9 Challengers out of CLG this week. Um, so, you know, that, that deserves all the credit in the world. Cloud9, even after that 0-2, are coming in as our first seed. They're the best team in the league. And being able to beat them so handedly is quite the accomplishment for all of CLG and a lot of that is led by Jenkins um love the rumble play out of him this week looked really really good um and I don't think that one loss to fear is his fault and I do think the win against fear uh gives gets a lot of credit to Jenkins so he, he's my pick so we each have different ones I think that's a good way to end the last week especially looking into Euro players for sure, for sure. So let's jump right into it. Uh, Want to do first, second, and third team all pros for uh, the NACL. You know, this isn't really a part of the broadcast that, uh, or this isn't a part of the season that broadcast really uh, takes part in. They do their most valuable prospect, um, and they do occasional lists and stuff, but they do not do an official uh, all pro ballot the way that LCS does. Um but I love all pro ballots, so we're going to do one here. Uh, let's go bottom up, because we just talked about a top laner for a little bit. Let's start at the support position. Um, the way we'll do this is we'll go through uh, candidate by candidate. We'll talk about the players. Uh, if we've doubled up on anybody, we obviously won't talk about them more than once. Um, 
and we'll just go through all of our first team, all of our second team, all of our third team until we've exhausted all of the players uh, we would have mentioned on our individual lists. So with that said, let's get started with support. Uh, I'll give my first team support first. Uh, my first team is going to be Zazel. I think Zazel uh, is easily standout, uh, too good to be an academy player pretty easily. Uh, he hasn't looked below LCS level in a long time in his career, and he certainly did not start it here on the comeback. Uh, his Nami in particular has been super oppressive to me in the early season, and recently he's pulled back some classics like the Nautilus and the Alistair and the Braum, uh, and he's looked fantastic on those too. I've, I have very little criticisms for Zazel over the course of this season. Certainly, I think that throughout this regular season, we've highlighted a few other supports that may have peaked higher for a match or two that got them onto our player of the week list, things like that. But as it stands for consistency across the season, especially given how good C9 looks as a whole right now, Zazel is a fundamental part of that. And they're also my pick for first team. And now looking at the last one, I I wanted to agree with Zazel in that regard and his going to be here 100 but for me it's diamond i went with diamond for because i think that the overall system from diamond was looking really good like obviously he got impacted towards the end and, I, and we were talking a little bit about this with the change with from tomo with spawn i think that tomo and diamond were looking like the best spot lane potentially the change up with ad carry has affected i think at, at least to a certain degree he's playing the couple of recent weeks so that's why it, it's not looking like the same level that he was performing at the start but i think that diamond has been amazing all split long and I feel like he deserves to be the number one in my eyes. All right. A little bit of a change up there. I do have to give some props to Diamond. I think he looked great with uh, with two different AD carries, which definitely deserves a little bit of props here. Um, he's still sitting at like highest first blood percentage in the league with a crazy number of 2v2 kills, most of which he got with Tomo. Um, you know, he's had to kind of rein it in a little bit since Spawn has moved down. But I uh, I agree. I think Diamond's been pretty impressive. He does make the list for me on third team, though. So I have him uh, below two other supports in the league as a little bit of a preview. And TDS, I'm right there with you about Diamond. I think that they look very impressive. In terms of looking at supports and kind of a bifurcation between standups who had some explosive games versus just straight up consistency throughout the entirety of the NACL. Diamond is another one right up there with Zazel. They are my number two. All right. Second team for Nyarko. I guess that's our signal to get into second team for support. Um, my second team support is Destiny. Uh, I think Ooh. Destiny has been a great enabler for Unforgiven, probably an easy candidate for best player in the NACL. Um, and Maybe a little bit of recency bias, because since that Rakan has re-entered the meta, he has been making the most of it. You know, it's his best champion of all time, for sure. Um, and you got to give it to him. He has had some fantastic Rakan performances in the last couple of weeks. And in that department, he just stands out to me massively. I think even during the, you know, Lulunami stages of the meta, he was a great... Um, player on those enchanters you know he did his job for unforgiven and i think that's the way that hundred thieves have gotten most of their wins so i'm gonna give destiny credit there on my second team it's a good call out like I, I was thinking of destiny a little bit below the three candidates that i have and the third one i think it's one that not a lot of people will give credit to and that's why i wanted to kind of 
touch it. But the second one to me, it's like he was already there on the on the list. It's Hazel, and I really think Hazel deserves to be top two. If not for the early stages, I think that's kind of the biggest diverge to me between Diamond and Hazel. I would have put Hazel as well number one, but I feel like the competition between the two of them is really really close. Like either of them could be one or two in my eyes. And I too also feature Destiny on my list, and they're going to the third slot for me. I think that the sheer gravitational pull of Unforgiven there as kind of defining the 100 Thieves bot lane makes it a little bit difficult for me to really jump them up above Zazel or Diamond, given how consistent those two players are. But Destiny clearly has the chops to be a premier support. And I know before the podcast, I was talking to you guys about how controversial my list of all pro is going to be. Support is not the realm where that is the case. I think that these three are pretty firmly in our minds as premier, if not very much the one, two and three seeds. So this is where it becomes controversial on my part then, because like the number three is one I, I was sure nobody was going to put it, and it's going to be Duo King. Duo King is right there at fourth for me. Fair yeah. enough. Like, I, I feel like his contribution in general to wildcard, not only in how he plays, I think that him and Lance have been a really, really good bot lane overall, but the picks that he brings, like he's one of the most diverse uh, supports in terms of picks that he brings out for the value that wildcard needs and him and moose hater has been really just shaping up a lot of the compositions that wildcard end, end up going for so overall i like how he plays i like the picks that he brings probably will be seeing a little bit much more of him in the future in, in potentially better teams depending on how it goes but i think that he's such he has been a really good support so far in the split yeah for sure uh duo king was on my short list as well as him and prismal i think were the guys kind of sitting on the outside here maybe even trevor a little bit too um yeah i just end up wanting to put those three veterans in for my list uh i just think they're at a little bit of a higher level i think while duo king definitely has had some of the unique picks i think you know there's definitely some zyra games in there where i think he's uh probably been a little bit of a liability but I do think, you know, it was very tempting to try to force somebody from wildcard on one of these lists somewhere, and I think Duo King <laughs> is the best candidate. Um, I don't get there, so unfortunately that's going to mean nobody from wildcard on any of my lists. I think I have one in one of them. Oh, I certainly have one. <laughs> All right. You guys are traitors when we get to top lane, but that's going to be the last place we go. Let's move on to AD Carry. Uh, first team, surely this one's unanimous. I have Unforgiven. Yep. Yeah, I think it's not going to be contested in that regard. Yeah, will be an easy pick for yeah. sure. I mean, to give a little bit and not just completely blow it off, I think Unforgiven's, yeah, best individual player in the league for sure. Um, yeah, he's just on another level compared to bot laners in this league. It has had... Multiple huge pop-off fights. The games on the Zeri have been fantastic as the Zeri's moved out. He's been very happy to pick up some of these other picks like the Zaya. Been really effective on those ones as well. Um, yeah, very little criticism for Unforgiven. This guy should be in a major league. And it breaks my heart so much that Double Lift is back in the LCS, man. I think for multiple reasons that I've talked about off of podcast, but nonetheless, part of the reason why I bemoan the fact that Double Lift is back in pro play is the fact that Unforgiven doesn't have vertical mobility within 100 Thieves right now to make it to their main roster. And honestly, just just as a quick side note, I feel like it would be an upgrade to Double Lift 
in a hundred thieves just saying like i I, yeah i mean i i could see it happening i think it would be an upgrade but i also don't really think doublelift's the problem with hundred thieves so not to get too into lcs here but (laughs) yeah i feel like unforgiven would have an equally difficult time moving up there i don't think he could pop off against lcs competition the way that he is here in in nacl but nonetheless naeu someone pick this guy up he's he's equipped to play at the next level uh and it is frankly a little bit of a waste of his time to be playing in nacl right now he's a little too good for this league to follow up on because i want to talk about the number two from my side i've talked a lot about this player i think he's really really good one of the two reasons why my stocks ended up paying up at the end of the split almost just missing out by this little bit margin but he's a really good ad carry and i I'm still really excited to see how far he develops. And to me, it's a Ray. I feel like he performs, has been performing super well with GCC. Him and Young have been the two like main carries of that roster. And they live and die a little bit more maybe with Young, but by what a Ray can do as a carry, as a hyper carry as well. I think that the start of the split was really looking rocky. Uh, I've, we've talked a little bit about this. It, it probably had to do with having to share time with, with their mid laner between main and then challenger lcs roster but it's good that they now have been able to set up as a team a little bit more stronger obviously the other players have been rock solid i think particularly want to give a shout out to concept i think that he improved quite a lot compared to where he was previously yeah, shoutouts to Array. Honestly, looking back on our very first episode where we kind of talked about Golden Guardians as a team that was going to collapse, uh, the fact that it didn't come through, the fact that your stocks are paying off TDS, I got to applaud Array in part for kind of carrying that torch, keeping this team alive. But unfortunately, they didn't make my top three. I had two other picks that I'm probably going to get flamed for a little bit more than something like Array. So we'll get to that in due time. As excited as I am to flame Yarko. Array does make my list at number three. Um, He does play Zeri literally every game. uh, And that's not a knock against him, but just something that I keep in mind. Um, But, you know, he does his job well. He he holds his lane, he farms, he lets Prismal roam and make plays towards mid, which is, I think, a lot of how Golden Guardians wants to run their game plan. And then he shows up to teamfights and he does his job um, and... That's that sounds underwhelming, um, but it is intended to be praised. Don't get me wrong. It's uh, <laughs> it's at this level, doing your job successfully, game in and game out. That level of consistency and execution, uh, I think, is exactly what you want uh, to see from a potential prospect who I'm sure at this rate will someday get some LCS experience. It's ADC, Gordo. You really can't expect much for them besides farming and not dying on repeat. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Unforgiven takes us yep. a little bit further, and so does my number two pick. So before we flame Nyarko, I'm going to put Lost right up here. Um, it's hard to separate these teams that have really good AD carries, uh, carrying maybe mediocre supports and vice versa. So there's a chance this is a little bit of a case of that, as was the Destiny Unforgiven picks. Um, but Lost looks right back to Academy Beater form uh and that was the form that got him promoted to lcs and made him such a sought-after prospect back a couple of years ago in the first place like people forget that like lost for hooney straight up was going to be a trade that occurred in the lcs and it was like considered to be you know like oh yeah that makes sense as as a trade that could occur 
Um, his stocks have dropped a lot since then, but you know, making his visit back to Academy here along with Zazel, he's showing why his stocks were so high in the first place. You know, he just doesn't seem to be able to put it together at the LCS level, but when he's playing in NACL, he is very impressive as far as AD carries go. Yeah, sure. I agree. I think that Lost is impressive. I think that they are a well-oiled cog in the machine that is C9 in their domination right now. For me, I don't have them in my top three, but they certainly are a high contender for good AD carry. But honestly, the more that I look at my list, the more I realize that I am going off of feel, off of what I love to see. And while that may cause some clashes with you guys, it's what I'm going to stick with. For me, my second pick is Masu. Ooh. I'll talk first. I like the Masu pick. I'm not going to flame you, Nyarkyo. Uh, Masu is really close to my list as well, and I think especially, you know, give a little recency bias to it, um, he definitely deserves it. I think if he had played the way he has been playing since he arrived in LA, the whole split, I think he might even be contending with Unforgiven for first. Um, he has looked fantastic since he arrived and since FlyQuest got, uh, Winsome down under the Academy level. Um, but... Because he wasn't playing like that all split, uh, and you know he spent a lot of time with Keetong on ping and couldn't look that good, he he gets edged out by the other three for me. But I like the Masu shout out. Yeah, it's a few different factors that I think allow for me to put them at second. Part of it is that I think that I'm weighing the fact that them on ping were underperforming a little bit less valuable than what you're seeing, Gordo. Mostly because I want my team to just kind of be a demonstration of people in their peak form. I want this to be kind of a time in the NACL that's encased in amber. And I think that right now, Masu is doing fantastically. And furthermore, I think that this later part of the season is really what matters. I would take someone who is currently ramping up for a big run in playoffs more so than someone who peaked early. And because that's the case, because I'm seeing a lot of champion diversity, a lot of just fantastic play on a variety of picks here out of Masu, that Aphelios in particular is something I'm excited to see a lot more of. They get my second spot, but I'm interested to see what TDS has to say. He's got a wry look on his face. The thing is, I agree with Gordo, in the particularly in the regard that Masu was for most of the split, right? Not here, not well, not here. No, like not on on the spot with the rest of the team and being able to play at the best conditions. But even then, I still feel like his re- his improvement is really mixed up with Winsome, which in a way I feel like gives more credit to Winsome than to Masu. I think Masu is a really good AD carry, and I would have put him close to the top four. But honestly, I I don't think I I feel like. Until I see a little bit more from him, and particularly him playing without ping, particularly without Winsome, could probably sway my opinion of him a little bit more. Because I think that Winsome, just as, like with Masu, has been a huge improvement from Flyzy. If not for the fact that he played two weeks, he were, he was going to be on my on my uh, all all pro all pro NECL pick. So I feel like that impacted quite a bit, and why I don't go with Masu, at least not for the top three. Because to really close it out here, my Third is going to be lost. Uh, it was one. It, it's the same thing with with kind of like Cecil and Diamond, where I think that you can make an argument for both of them. But I put Array a little bit higher because I feel like he doesn't depend as much, or not depend, but he can play well enough without Prismal, and he can perform really, really well without Prismal. But a lot of lost 
is also kind of mixed up with Cezal. And as always, it's kind of hard to take apart the Baldin in some of these situations. I think that Cezal pushes up quite a bit from Lost, even though I think Lost has been playing really, really well. And I feel like it's interchangeable to a certain degree between the two of them, but I edge out on Array a little bit more because I feel like Array has less value of support compared to Lost. I think that's fair. Uh, and maybe it is bringing in a little bit of uh, of the past, right, to weigh in with uh, where I rate Lost. Just because I feel like Lost looked a lot like this last time he was in an ACL when he was on TSM Academy. Um and that was, who was his support oh, well at the back. time? It was that, uh, it was that, um, mm. import. Oh, what was his name? Oh, it was. Yersan? Yersan, thank you. Uh, from TCL? Is he Turkish? PCS. PCS, thank you. Yeah, so he looked, he looked good with Yersan as his support last time. Or, and he had treats for a while as well, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, Actually, maybe he never even played with Yersan. Maybe it was only treats. Either way, he looked very good the last time he was in NACL. I think he did. He did for the like the 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 like the time where the the coach was there. I don't remember the coach. The coach that now everyone hates. Peter Zang. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zang, Peter Zang. <laughs> Peter Zang. Uh, I think he played for a little bit with them. Yeah. The, the... The coach that nobody really is, is a big fan of anymore after TSM's whole offseason turned out to be a Nigerian Prince scam. Yeah. All right, well, let's turn the hate inwards back towards this list because I think I got to round out with my final AD carry pick, which is Wixie. That's a spicy one. Hey. So I have a rationale behind this, and I'm trying to be seeing that a lot throughout the rest of the night as we have, you know, many other positions to work through. But here's my thoughts, guys. Look, Wixie statistically is a standout in the AD carry role. Sure, they're on a team that, frankly, has been terrible, and we've done probably 80% of our time whenever we talk about Immortals just straight up flaming their roster. But Wixie, like I said before, a standout. I think one of the players that has really helped kind of stabilize them, especially late on in the season, and get them some surprise wins. But furthermore, I kind of look at the All-Pro team, like I said before, as kind of a point in time frozen there for us to look at and when i think of wixie as removed from the rest of the team i see an 80 carry with a lot of individual mechanical skills and some big carry performances under their belt and if you were to take them and you were to slot them into one of these top competitive teams here in the nacl proper i think that they continue to shine i think that they would be someone that we talk about with the same high praises that we give to the likes of lost to the likes of unforgiven i really believe that they're up there and even if it is the case that there are some people who you know in a raw one v1 scenario or better or have performed better with their team throughout the course of the season for me i want to feature wixie as you know rooting for the underdogs in a way and who who really cares about the third seed of the all pro team on a podcast right let me give some space over to these players that i really think we haven't featured a whole lot up until this point yeah i think that's a fair logic and i don't uh i have no disrespect towards that approach to the all pro teams um yeah, from my perspective, though, it, it is a bit of a balancing act, right, between not wanting to exclusively represent players from the top teams, um, but also a recognition that, for me, this is about performance in the split, and the amount of individual excellence you need to show 
to earn one of these top three spots on a team that went 15-15, um, it just gets a little bit too high for me to be willing to consider Wixie. I, I just don't, I think, I agree he's stood out on Immortals and looks good, but I just, he's not quite at that level for me. We're going to have some fun with the rest of the All-Pro picks <laughs> if that's the case, Gordo. I'm really excited for what what is to come because now, like, I feel like we, this is a perfect opportunity to segue into my favorite lane, lane that I adore the most. And I think you pr it's pretty, like, straightforward. I think that this shouldn't have a lot of arguments. Maybe for the third one, like Miracle was saying. But I feel like first, it's probably, once again, uncontested, particularly because two of the mid laners that were favorite are gone, essentially. Like the, the, the two, the, the mid laner that should have been number one and probably number two are gone. So it opens up for a bit, but I think that the number one is going to be uncontested unless something comes up. But for me, it was insanity. Like I think carried a lot of, of what Dixie ended up doing. Him and, and then we'll walk into a little bit as well. The jungle, mid jungle duo was amazing from Dixie. Him was playing consistently well, really good picks brought up picks that not a lot of people were playing and was performing to such a high level. Truly the gatekeeper of, of the NACL in mid lane particularly, because you can see that whoever is above him can go higher towards the LCS, but if you're not up to his level, he's really going to perform over you 100%. I think that I too have to put Insanity at the top spot. Dig C, I think, has defined what makes a good NACL team tick, and that really is a mid-jungle duo that can pop off, that has the potential to carry games, and really, this is kind of the platonic ideal of that continuity. Insanity has been a standout. We've had them multiple times at that player of the week spot as well, so not only are they incredibly consistent in the mid lane role, but they also have very high highs and some big standout carry performances. This is not one of my controversial picks. I think that this is one that we're at least close to unanimous on. Yeah, I'm on Insanity at number one as well. Um, agree. I think the two best contenders would have been Eminus and Balulu, who are both now in LCS, and in my yeah. book disqualifies them. Uh, they aren't NACL players anymore, even though Balulu was still playing even up through this past week. Um, but yeah, Insanity's been great on a variety of picks. Great Azir. Great ability to play melees and equalize when necessary. You know, he had those Udyr games around the middle of the split that I was pretty happy with. The Gragas has kind of uh, superseded that role in the last couple of weeks, um, but I think he's looked fantastic on those as well. So he can play a great neutralizer when the situation calls. He can play a great carry when needed. Um, I think... You know, we said at the beginning of the season, to be LCS level, you'd have to be better than Insanity. And I think the only two who did that uh, went right to LCS. So I think we've been pretty vindicated there. Yep, it was pretty straightforward with, that, with the idea of what the level for Insanity was going to be. Now, for the number two, though, I'm not sure if we're going to have pretty similar here. I think that it's someone that I also think could have gone above Insanity and honestly could be looked into for LCS as well, because I think that he, like the other carry that I mentioned previously, it's pretty much what is what made this team look so competitive and so strong. And I like I already gave prop, a little bit of props to him, but I want to give it again. Like to me, Young is looking so good in mid lane. GDC live and die, or not live and die, but GDC do almost everything they can around Young. Like, if Jong is in a spot where he can carry, he will 100% do that. And GDC understands that playing around Jong is a really good idea. So they commit around him really well, but Jong always utilizes their the resources that is, are, are given to him in such an effective manner. Like, 
Jung is a really good mid laner. I hope that he's moved up towards CLCS soon enough because I feel like he deserves it. And I'm really excited to see how he performs in playoffs. Young is also on my list. However, given the way that Gordo has articulated this whole system of demotion and uh, disqualification, my second pick is going to be controversial. But yeah, stick Young at the third spot for me. I think that all the reasons you gave TDS uh, allows for them to be a shining star. And if I wasn't squirreling on my standards for what counts as a mid lane or all star, I think that probably they would be my second spot as well. Yeah, Young takes my second spot as well. So, synced up so far, TDS. Let's see if we can go yeah. three for three. Uh, but yeah, Young stood out to me, you know, as early as week one on some of these melee picks like the Silas. Um, and it's just continued to get better throughout the split, in my eyes. He expertly pilots these melees and fights. Uh, the, the Silas, the Akali has been great. Um, he has a great laning phase on these. You know, he plays mostly melee champions and still has a positive CSD at 15 um which is pretty wild you know like even uh even insanity doesn't have that and he plays his ear half the time um and he delivers on hard carries like the Cassidan when it matters um and when it's called upon and that's something that impresses me as a rookie to this league a lot you know you compare him to somebody like doxa um and how he performs you know on those hard carry Cassidan games and really across the board and it really is like night and day young has been fantastic uh and his youth uh both in this league and and just age wise uh i think just make that all the more impressive and before you guys move on to your third pick i think it, i might as well get out of the way this kind of weird rules booky thing that i want to do with my second pick because i have diplex here and my rationale Ooh. behind this is that if we are going to highlight what makes a great LC or NACL team, maybe even an LCS team, I think that we have to once again go back to what we were touching on earlier, TDS, which is that mid-jungle continuity. It works for DigC. It's what's gotten them to near the top of the leaderboards. It's also what works for C9. Sure, we do have a fantastic bot lane, fantastic support there, as we highlighted with Zazel, right? But here's the thing. Diplex has fulfilled Eminus's shoes magnificently, and I think it would be wrong to not talk about C9's mid lane as a fundamental aspect of why they're winning so much here in the NACL. Be that either with Eminus or with Diplex, I'm kind of putting Diplex here because, you know, Eminus is disqualified as Diplex, who's to say, right? But regardless, he's a representative of the fact that they are a core part of what's made C9 great throughout the season. Oh, really? Uh, like... It's good to see the different perspective on what you believe as an MVP because, like, I wouldn't take that the Diplex onto onto the candidate for longevity reasons, but also because I feel like it's kind of a, a toss up here and there. But I feel like it's not unfair to also put him there. Diplex deserves the performance. He performed well in LCS, and I think that you can also take partly his his performance in the LCS to try and put him over on the NACL. And kind of touching upon what I was saying a little bit before when we were looking at Masu in the ADC role, I also think about Diplex as he currently stands. Um, obviously, he wasn't playing the, the, a few weeks prior, but what I'm trying to say is he's on a warpath right now. He is keeping C9 as the top contender in the league, in my opinion. And I think that as we move on into the playoffs, he's going to be instrumental in this team, making a deep run, really making a statement as well. And therefore, if... I have to feature him in kind of an odd spot here. If I have to kind of squirrel on my definition of an all pro team, 
it doesn't matter. I think that Diplex is deserving it in continuity with Eminus just to push back against Gordo and his rules, you know? As the anarchist, I feel like this is my role. Yeah, no, I, okay. I consider I consider putting Diplex to be cheating. I don't think he played enough games. Um, but I will concede, you know, if we're if we're saying who are the top three mids in the NACL, first of all, I guess Balulu still counts because he's played the most recent <laughs> games, but uh taking that out yeah i think diplex is probably in the top three i i just uh in my view he hasn't played enough games of nacl for for this list yeah i think i think it's a fair like it's fair on both sides to try and include him or not but moving on to the third one because like i want to try and also get towards that last candidate on both of our list i think here we're gonna have like not going to agree but it's going to be the person that i believed in that I still think that he's the best player on that team, and they live and die by whatever he does. Like, it's being proven time and time again. If he does well, TL will win. If they don't, if he doesn't, it, that team looks really bad, and it's going to be APA to me. Like, the, the, their dependency for APA to do good in that team is so big that it just makes the team look good sometimes, but it looks really bad when they don't have him in a good spot. And I feel like so bad for APA that he's stuck in that situation. But TDS, I guess that the rebuttal would immediately be, but sometimes he's not in a good spot and therefore TL fails, right? So how could he yeah. be an all pro if that's the case? So see, here's the thing. If he does well, they win. If he doesn't, they lose, but they, they he does badly, not necessarily because of him. Like, he has to put himself in the spots where if he either doesn't do anything, Teal doesn't do anything. Like, their team is so APA-focused that he has to go for plays that are that look really, really bad. Like, I remember watching, uh, if they, I think it was the Syndra game this week. The, the amount of resources that they give to him were good. But if he doesn't kill anyone, there was a fight where Arrow has to flash out. Goes back in, doesn't do a lot of damage, and it's all on his Syndra to be able to do damage. Like, it just looks like he has to do everything, or the team doesn't have a lot of outs, or any out at all, and it's not positive. Like, I was hoping Bradley would help in that regard, but it's mainly APA. Yeah, I think that's a fair call-out. I think a lot of stuff has gone towards Arrow for TL, um... You know, I think they were playing all those Draven comps back at the beginning of the split and stuff, too. Um, so, I, I don't know. I think he's had some support. I do think APA has looked overall very good as a rookie in this league, though, uh, and does deserve a bit of a shout-out. We are not 3-for-3, three three, though, TDS. For yeah. my third all-pro mid laner, I have Copy. Um, so, a quieter year uh on clg than during his time on c9 but I, I still think this guy's one of the best he's had terrific laning terrific roaming he could sometimes get a little crazy in the later game looking for flanks and picks but i think all in all the good ones have outweighed the bad ones uh and i think copy all around has has very quietly had one of the better splits out of the mid laners in this league and has been pretty consistent so i i'm happy to put copy at third yeah, I think for mid laners, like first straight forward with the first with the number one, and then the other ones, like there's arguments enough for it. Like I think we all agree that if not for what happened with MNS, it was going to be number one for MNS, and oh, yeah. same for kind of Palu as well. So it made the list a little bit more interesting to try and define the next ones. But overall, like it was pretty straightforward with that. But moving into the jungle, right? Because now we need to know like their partners in crime. Some would say. <laughs> depending depending on on how they did and what they did 
And I think there's going to be a little bit, like mine at least, I'm pretty sure it's going to be not the same like like a lot of them, apart from maybe the first one, where I gave a lot of credit to him. I I've gave him MVP for a couple of weeks. And I think it's Exio. Like he, to me, he has been one of the best junglers overall. Like he does so much for DXT with Insanity and their mid lane jungle duo looks like the best in the league. If not for MNS like going away, I would have said that that they were the best in general. But at least at this point, I think XU and Insanity are the best mid lane jungle duo at this point. Yeah, I have XU at number one as well. Um, feels unfair because he has all the winning lanes, uh, but he really makes the most of them. Um, yeah, I think Dig's best looking games ran through XU's Elise, and it's been drawing bans accordingly. Um, I think he's been able to snowball games very effectively. Um, plays a mean Sejuani, spams it every time it's up. Um, has the pressure from his other lanes to where he's able to get that pick consistently. Uh, loved his Nidalee a couple weeks back, so I, I would really like to see him in a meta where he's able to play that more. Um, but yeah, I think XU is, is very standout in the jungle position. And uh, as much as I hate to put every Dignitas player eligible on this list, I, I can't leave off XU. I mean, come on. I also cannot leave off XU. XU has been a real standout. And, you know, given the extent to which we have talked week after week about mid and jungle impacting games and really keeping things in line with the meta game that has really developed out of the NACL, uh, they have to be on my list. However, they are not at first. Ooh. I have XU at second because, yes, I think that it is the case that they have brought dig c to glory they are instrumental in the progression of this team but as gordo says they have winning lanes basically all the time so it's almost a shoe in right for me i wanted to highlight a jungler that i believe is core perhaps more than any other player to their team's success and for me that's why i have yuji at number one okay that's a spicy one um yeah so as we'll get into as we move down the list, my like honorable mentions category for jungle takes up like half the league. Um, you know, I just had so many names I wanted to get in here and so many people that had, you know, great weeks and poor weeks, um, especially in that middle ground of junglers. UG uh, falls in that category for me, so he doesn't end up in any of my top three, but I certainly don't fault anyone for putting any of those guys in their top three somewhere. For me, the reason why I have Yuji all the way at number one is because you really feel the extent to which Yuji's ability to shot call, ability to dictate the pace of the game is kind of core to the fact that Flycy is kind of in this renaissance period. And I think looking to make a really deep run into the brackets for playoffs, they are able to go to Sejuani and these facilitator picks really nicely. And while there, that it is the case that a lot of other junglers have been able to do the same, I think what makes Yuji stand out is that they also are really good on a mechanical level they had a standout performance pretty recently on that Viego, I believe, up against Immortals, even as they did end up splitting that series this week. But overall, um, I've been focused on them for a while now as someone who's right outside of the Player of the Week category in multiple weeks. And yeah, they do have their ups and downs. But at the end of the day, when you look at these top teams, the very, very highest level for me. You're seeing a bunch of winning lanes and a jungler that facilitates them really well. I think that Yuji is a person who has to wear a few different sets of masks in order to bring Flycy to victory and to bring them to be this shining example of what I believe, believe to be like the tenacity and value of having the NACL around as a league to watch and interact with. And for that, I really wanted to give them credit and give them the number one spot. 
overall fair. I think overall, like, Yuji didn't edge it out for me because I feel like he's in the same category to a certain degree with Shaden. Not saying they, they are in the same situation at all, by the way, but it feels like a similar situation, a similar category to Shaden where I'm fine with him being up, but at the same time, he does some things that are questionable in a lot of the times. And I feel like for Judy particularly, he has, at least this team has been a little bit more consistent than C than EGC. So for Shady, it feels a little bit worse, but Yuji, I do think that he's one of the probably higher up junglers, not in my list either, by the way. Mine, I, I, I'm not sure if you guys will be in accordance with my list, but I think there's a good opportunity to jump into the second one because to me, the number two is Perry. From, I love it, TDS. Uh, I love it. My number two is also Perry. Okay, we, we're in sync. We're we're synchronized. Let's on go. Some At least for Google. first and second teams, we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Uh, I'm I'm all about Perry here. Um, I was super high on him last uh, split after his run with Dignitas, and I think if anything, he looks better. Uh, I think he is the engine through which Fear's success runs. Uh, he's got a great eye for engages and playmaking. Uh, I don't think this guy stays in provisional for very long. I think, uh, um, you know, perhaps almost more so than almost anybody, I think Perry is on the path to LCS, um, no pun intended, for uh, for this league. He just looks fantastic. 100%. Like, the way he utilizes the resources from a team, obviously Fear has been a positive surprise to what everyone was expecting pro uh, potentially from them. And the way that Perry utilizes the team, and I say utilize because he doesn't just get like resources sometimes, like he does, he, he can't play for the carries out of it, but the way that he utilizes the team in so many different manners that just goes to show how well he, or how important he is for the team, how much he does to try and get leads. But even if he gets leads, like he continues to try and make the team go around his way. And I feel like he's such a, like, such a good jungler in general, you can see, how good he really is. Like, if not for XU, I would have really thought about putting him number one. And Perry rounds out my list. I put them in the number three slot Ooh. because I had to have my indulgence of UG at the one slot, right? And then XU also being in there. But Perry, very much a standout player. I love the fact that we are able to be at a point in time where the NACL has provisional teams getting people into our all pros, right? That is something that I think very much excites me about the future of the league. Perry, as you said, Gordo, I don't think has a long time to spend here, though, in the Challengers League itself. They are moving on to bigger and better things. They have been instrumental in Fear's development and really kind of meteoric rise throughout the entirety of this split. And I hope to see them really bring it together for these playoffs for one final big push. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. Moving on to third, I want to call back to what TDS was just talking about, where he was saying, you know, Yuji and Shaden are both in this category for him, uh, for him that I agree with of like junglers who have had some really great weeks and some really poor weeks and, and kind of have swung back and forth. I have a huge pool of junglers like that. I think Rose Thorns in that category. I think Keel's in that category. I, I even put Tomio there a little bit. I think Tomio's weak weeks have been... Um, over, you know more easily overshadowed by the rest of his team being great um but you know i think he's the other side of the xu coin where despite having all winning lanes he doesn't quite look as good but for me my third team is going to be the out of that group of players the one who's had the highest highs uh and that's going to be tl mir as much as i don't like to say oh. it. 
Just want to jump in here really quick as my list is exhausted and I want to hear TDS's response to this. But really quick, shout out to Rose Thorn. Uh, I came in at, after a pretty late uh, BOL cast uh, and it had to throw together my uh, pro teams. And TDS and Gordo both were there to hear me go and uh, multiple times as i tried to figure out who was on my list rose thorn was in my third spot and then i realized like i could not do parry that dirty i had to put them there but yeah mir also really really interesting pick tds given the fact you immediately went ooh i want to give the mic over to you first though on this topic like mir has had good performances but like he he has something that just makes him impossible to be carried when needed like he he lives and dies for the either I carry or you don't get to be carried or or you don't get to to win the game and I don't know why like Mir is not bad but like he's the lesser evil of the overall TL and and, and I hate it because I I like Mir's style sometimes. But TDS, how's this any different than APA either carrying a team or being a fat sack of shit? You know, like no, it's gonna be one or the is, other. No, there's a difference. APA. <laughs> Can be carried if they if, if they can if they want to try and carry, which Mir did at some point, and APA just allowed it for happen. <laughs> Mir doesn't let you carry. Like you, he either carries it or he goes all in and dies in the process. Like there's a re, there's the margin is small, but it's a difference between being hated because you throw games you don't need. Like it's the soul you mindset. You either die, live enough to become a player that is carryable, or you die just by your own self and just getting destroyed because you don't want to get carried. That's why, like, I have a love-hate relationship with Mir, much more so than any other TL player. Yeah, I, I think I agree with a lot of those points. I, I will, I'll just say straight up, you know, um, like I said, he's in the same category as, like, the Shadens, the UGs, the Rose Thorns, all those guys. They're, like, just an inch apart, and I end up picking Mir. And I, I've got to have the self-awareness to say that might be broadcast brain worms working into my head just a little bit like i think the broadcast is just so high on mirror that i can't help it but seeping having it seep into my thoughts a little bit so uh i i may be getting a little bit biased by by cubby and the crew there um going to acknowledge that while also not changing my pick it's okay. how are we it's not inoculated <laughs> How are we not how are we not inoculated from uh, broadcast brain worms as casters ourselves? You know? that, that's what I'm saying. I like to think that I'm not, but it's like I listen. I started this season not liking Mir, and I didn't like Mir for the first few weeks, and it's just he's just gotten into my brain just a little bit. Or now I just see it, and I'm like, I kind of see it now. You know, I, I don't know. I can't really explain it, but I kind I I get it a little bit. I'm not. I won't go higher than third. I won't go higher than third. I see him on the list for potential MVP candidates, and I will not stand for that. He's not going higher than third for me, but he gets to be third. Like if he gets if he gets close to an MVP vote, I feel like there's something behind the scenes that we don't know because that would make absolutely no sense. Just as maybe my third pick, because we're talking about junglers that are close to that pool. Like I think jungle was looking like something to me, hard to decide for the third one. Shaden, Yuji were good choices. I went full provisional here. And I'm going kill. Like, I think he performed... He has been one of the... He probably has some performances where it's team inconsistent. But at the same time, when you look at the overall wildcard roster, he's one of the most consistent players. 
Like, you know what you can get with Kiel, and he can carry you in some games. Like, I love... Uh, this is probably a little bit also recency-based, but the... the the Ren... Uh, not Renata, the... What is what is she called? Uh, the Boyd Queen. Uh, Belveth? The Belveth games, yeah, thank you. The Belveth games from Kiel were really, really good. I, I actually think his carrying performance in those games were, were looked really, really nice, and the team moved around him really well. I feel like he's one of the consi most consistent players. Like him and Soligo feel like the most consistent parts out of the wildcard roster. Moose Hater sometimes is a really good thing. Sometimes looks uh, iffy, but overall it's okay. Bot lane, I can understand with some of the picks that they opt into why they, it doesn't look great and maybe force Moose Hater as well. But Kill and Soligo have been the most consistent parts. And I think Kill has been such an amazing jungler and a really good thing overall for the success of wildcard as well. I love me some Keel, um, and he's on my short list as well. I think what edges Keel out for me is I feel like I'm really curious to see what Keel looks like in a different roster, which I think you know we have no choice but seeing sometime soon as these good sure. provisional teams will likely be plucked apart a little bit by the by the bigger money orgs. Um, just because I feel like Keel looks his best, like TDS says, on like the Belvath and on the Nunu and on the Zac. And I feel like whenever he's on these champions, it's because the team comp has been built around him to enable those picks. Um, and for that reason, I, I it just like feels like an asterisk to me. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's great that he's the kind of player where you can build a draft around him and, and trust that he'll be able to execute on the pick. Um, my only issue, though, is that you know, when his weaker games are when he's playing the more standard meta stuff, that's where I start to get a little bit nervous. Um, and so Keel just gets a little bit edged out there. But, you know, he's in that massive group, though, with, with Tomio and Rosethorn and Yuji yeah. and Shaden that uh, they they definitely deserve honorable mentions. And if, if just a few series had gone differently, he would probably be on this list. Yeah, feels like the uh, one of the, well, at least in the jungle, like the third one, feels like the most open because there can all well, you can make arguments for a lot of these players. Like I was even considering Chad. I, I think that he was one of the the upsides for IMT as well. And him and Volulu were working really, really well until no longer can play with Volulu. So probably going to change a little bit there. Yeah, I can't go Chad. I feel like he's griefed too many games. <laughs> Split <laughs> Chad's yeah, not on that me. list for me. Let's go to top lane though. Yeah. Let's go to top lane. I, I wanna hear some takes here. I'll lead us off on this one. Uh, top lane, first team all pro. It's got to be Fake God. Um, I think Fake God has been unstoppable in lane, constantly generating his own leads. Uh, he's shown me another really important layer, like I said, when he uh, when I gave him my player of the week with that Scion pick, uh, and now the Cho'Gath after it. You know, he's picked up those champions very nicely, even though they're not picks that I generally associate with him. Um his Renekton draws a stupid amount of bans. Like, teams have to ban that on both sides against C9. Um, yeah, gotta gotta give it over to Fake God. I think he's the most complete top laner in the league. I also have Fake God at number one. You know, I'm glad that we had variation elsewhere in the list in the support role alongside the jungle role because there's a lot of unanimous, I think, decisions that are oftentimes based upon whatever is stronger between Dignitas and C9 at the top of the standings here. And for me, Fake God is a team-defining uh, player. 
I think that even as the meta has shifted a little bit away from what we were seeing early on in the season where top lane was just the cream of the crop focus and really what was defining our power rankings, uh, Fake God has continued to be a standout, and I think that they deservedly take this uh, pick. And perfect, because I can close it out. I also have Fake God Woo! on number one. So is this a... Per no, okay, so we have three all all according all accor going according to itself with... Uh, with the players and i don't know what what else to add like like you guys were saying really good player overall really consistent can it can be a rock but like you were saying the renekton consistently banned against him showing that he can have that aggressive like playstyle on him and they can play around that in that regard and i feel like a player that probably doesn't get the like the merit that he deserves i'm not sure if i would say that he's 100 percent should be in, a, in an lcs team but it feels like he's in that divide or in that middle point where it doesn't feel like he should be in Academy either because he's better than most in uh, in, in uh, Challengers, I mean. Yeah, his Fiora too has been great this split. Um, Yeah, I and I, I agree on the, the point about LCS too. I mean, he really struggled in LCS the last time he was up there. Would like to see him in a little bit of a different environment given that he did play for Dignitas most of his yeah. time when he was there. And, uh, you know, that team appears a bit cursed these days. Um. Oh, they've won at least. Yeah, they did win a game. Can't take that away from them. Um, them and CLG Faith both. But uh, <laughs> let's get into our, our second team here, though, as after the unanimous fake god. Um, I assume I'm going to have a little bit of a difference here. At number two, I have Jenkins. Um, okay. I gave him my player of the week this week and, and kind of the same thing. He's the flexibility and flanking king, I feel like. Uh, I loved his Warwick and how he's brought that into the meta. More recently, he's brought in the Rumble. I love that one. I love to see him have these kind of pocket picks that demand uh, a, a way to be addressed or will take over the game. Um, he's been on the Cho'Gath train lately as well, which I like to see. He picks up these new champions very quickly and effectively. Had that one Kled game as well. Um and yeah, I think he just finds flanks and teleports and angles in late game fights that other top laners don't see. Um, and I think he's really short up the laning, which was my major issue with him during his stint in LCS and last year on CLG. Um, I think he's in, you know, uh, even while the top lane pool, I would say has gotten stronger around him with the return of Fake God, uh, the return of Gamsu, um, you know, sniper coming up into the league. Uh, even with those facts, I think uh, it has ended up with uh, Jenkins looking better in lane. You know, I'm surprised. I have gotten through this list more unscathed than I thought because I also have Jenkins at number two, Gordo. I felt bad not having one from CLG, which, you know, is my favorite org on this list up until this point, really. Um, but they are a good selection and, you know, unfortunately I'm not going to be able to find or sneak anyone from CLG faith onto any of these all-star teams. So I think that Jenkins has to be the pick. As you said, they are doing a good job finding angles, finding novel picks and strategies to make things work in the top lane. And I feel that they don't get enough credit because of another pick that we're going to talk about. At least I'm going to force you guys to talk about, uh, as we move down the bracket, but one of the things to note with Jenkins is that they pass what I'm going to start coining as the Cho'Gath test, which is just how fast do they adapt to the meta and do they make the right calls? Shout out to Cubby. Uh, hopefully we see Scion de-emphasize and see that Cho'Gath up there. Second that 
biggest broken beyond belief and people like I, i've seen that people are finally understanding also that it's not only a top lane pick like it can be played bot lane and mid lane as well it's really really strong so gonna be fun seeing it Dude, I'm telling you, TDS, if Cho'Gath bot was picked by Merrillville, they wouldn't have gone 3-2 in the NACL qualifiers. They would have freaking stomped rock bottom in that last game. They played it in CeeLo. I don't know why they didn't bust it out, but we are getting off track. Yeah, I just want to say, like, isn't it your curse instead? Much yes. more so than... <laughs> uh, I, will, I will finish... Oh, go for it. Uh, I was just going to say, for those who don't know, uh, I was casting NACL qualifiers, and in the first um, NACL queue, I casted for uh, TikTok Tony Top, who promptly went 3-2, losing to two pretty low-seeded teams before, you know, eventually making it to finals. But then I got into Merrillville's broadcast for the second qualifiers, and yet again, a top-seeded team, this time the literal number one seed who won the last finals, goes 3-2 in the, in the Swiss stage, just because I'm probably casting them, and and, you know, I curse them because that is the case. <laughs> we'll, we'll try and close out my number two because I I, I don't want to say disagree because I do. I, I think the Jenkins pick is good. But I'm going to give credit to another. Uh, what is it called? Uh, another non-provisional uh, team top laner. For me, it was Faisal, the number two. And... I was thinking on this one and what I wanted to give a lot of credit to because I feel like Fear deserved a lot of credit in terms of how the players played. I was looking for different positions and I think Chop and Jungle were the ones that stuck out to me more. Like Faisal is a really good player, can be aggressive when needed, can have like some times where, where, where I would question his decision making some decisions. But at the same time, a lot of the value that Fear has is based around that the top lane and the jungle playing together really well. Like, I think Perry Faisal is one of the best duos coming in from that team. And I really like how their dynamic works. And I also want to give credit to Faisal in how he opts into certain matchups, into certain plays, and how he's playing. Now, I also want to say that top lane to me was the weakest lane in general in the NACL. So that's why I'm also kind of like looking, looking at the top lane was kind of hard in that sense. I agree. It ended up being tough to look at. Um... I also wish I could have gotten more fear players in here. You know, they are the fourth seed. They do deserve a fair bit of credit. And I, I mean, I think the biggest thing about fear, though, is that they are on my short list for uh, at nearly every position. Like, I think Faisal was on my short list. Perry, of course, makes my list. Shochi's on my short list. Uh, and Trevor is on my short list as well. Minwi doesn't quite get there. But, um, yeah, I think the fact that they've been so solid across the board, uh really speaks to why they were able to be successful and and that Perry's broken so no Faisal on my list but he gets an honorable mention Faisal gets an honorable mention for me as well TDS I think that it's kind of surprising that fear doesn't get a little bit more of a feature here in my pro teams I think that we've highlighted the true true standouts uh Faisal though and much of the rest of fear definitely are hovering there right outside the top three just as they are in the actual standings themselves but i wanted to move a little bit down the list i said that i was going to force people to talk about this it's another provisional pick i have to put moose hater at my number three of course uh, <laughs> a slave to the narrative nar narco i see uh <laughs> no nah, i i love news hater um i'm happy that somebody picked him so that we get to at least talk about him um he won't be on my list. I don't think he's, yeah. uh, I think he's, 
he's very interesting. I think he's much better than expected. I think he has driven a Garen meta that has now infected the world. Um, but I just don't think he's individually been a consistent enough performer to make my all-pro list. It is a little bit weird, and I feel odd putting him on this list, especially given the fact he went like 0-5-0 on Malphite this week in one of the most atrocious games I've ever seen on that champ. But like, th this is the thing. Maybe I'm slave to the meta, or maybe this is just Moose Hater's world and we're just living in it, right? Like, is there any other player that is as talked about on Twitter as Moose Hater? How can he not be featured in what is supposed to be a representation of what the NECL is? And it isn't like he doesn't have standout performances, even up to this week where Wildcard split some series that, honestly, I felt that they didn't even have to split. Um, they did such a great job of getting Moose Hater onto angles that defined team fights the defined macro situations where they were able to pressure cross map things like that and it therefore shows to me that he's not just his novel picks and this garen meta that he has helped define he is also a complete top lane player maybe not the best right now but with tons of room to grow their ceiling still has not been reached and that is something that really warms my heart provisional teams have been my favorite part so far of this regular season here in the nacl and i would feel bad if i didn't highlight at least one more a fair choice um I'm going to, I consider my lists to be the most boring of the three of ours uh, now that I'm looking at all of them, <laughs> and I'm going to keep that train going. My third uh, for top is going to be Hoon. Um, you know, he's he's got the best CSD at 15. He's got the most solo kills. He's a lane kingdom guy, and uh, I, I think that that's enough to earn him a spot on this top three. He leans on the Gnar pretty heavily, um, didn't really pick up the Scion, uh, when that started becoming the meta, uh, his Cho'Gath has been disappointing, although he does pass the Cho'Gath test by playing it. Um, but uh, he doesn't really have that extra layer of depth that I like out of the other two. But I do agree with TDS when he says the top lane pool is relatively weak this year. Um, and I think Hoon, just by being the best laner, manages to get on the list. Hoon is definitely a fair pick, TDS. I think that you have already articulated the things that I was going to use as a rebuttal as to why he wasn't in my top three and why I could justify putting Moose Hater above him. But yeah, Lang Kingdom at the end of the day, you go to the stats because he said you were the most boring with your lists. And, you know, I can't argue with that, unfortunately. I will agree with the boring part at the very least, though, to try, <laughs> yeah. try to hammer home my own personal justifications for how I assembled uh, my all-star teams. But, you know... This, I think, is a fair choice. I think it's a pretty justified one as well. I'm interested to see what TDS has in that third slot and what they also think about Hoon as a pick. So Hoon is not that. It's not my third one. Ooh. I can say that for sure. I, I feel like, to me, that was the weakest part from the whole Dixie. Uh, I think the other four players which more were much more standouts than Hoon itself. Like, obviously, Tublin didn't help, but Hoon really didn't stuck out to me. And we were talking about, like, Nyarko was talking about a player with such a huge upside in terms of the future with Moose Hater that he's looking promising all that. I want to talk about an old generation that is looking promising. Like, he, to me, feels like he's in, K in, in a cell. Like, he's trapped without being able to run away. But hopefully some team actually utilizes their eyes and try and pick him up because Hunter has been the best out of TSM. Like, 100%. 
if if there's any chance that TSM do anything, it's off the back of, on, of Hunter. Because he not only has been the most consistent member from them, but has been the best player from them. He's been one of the best of laners as well, in general, overall. Obviously, top lane pool, cannot say much about it. Like, I will just add this, but if ADD is looking good, in your in your top lane in the overall top lane of the NCL, something is not that good with top lane. I will say it. like ADD shouldn't be looking promising, but like Hunter is really good. Like I hope he gets picked up by the NCL's team because he doesn't deserve to be here, especially after after how TSM has been doing, and after the fact that a lot of people were saying that he wouldn't show any level, like he was just going to come back and be nothing. Like he has been so good in general for TSM. Yeah, agree. His last appearance on TSM Academy was rough, and it's like night and day now. Um, I think Hanser was on my short list, and retroactively going to append that to my Jenkins argument. I talked about how I think top lane kind of got stronger in the league um, versus where Jenkins was playing in summer. Well, I still think it's a weak position uh, in the league. Um, you know, Bradley underperforming and uh, tenacity leaving aside, you know, the return of the likes of Fake God, return of Hauntzer, who I didn't mention at the time, return of Gamsu, I think has really um, driven a little bit of a stronger laning presence in the league, um, even though, you know, it's it's still not where we'd like it to be, at mm -hmm. least compared to some of the other roles. Yeah, TDS, I will say Hanser is definitely on my short list, and I really did consider them getting them into my top three somehow, but obviously I went for some big narrative swings that kind of boxed them out. But congratulations and shout out for, to Hanser, honestly. Being the one player on TSM to not make my eyes roll back into my head every single time that this team takes to the rift, not only just because I find very little compulsion to watch their games, but <laughs> also just because, you know, top lane as a rule has kind of been, especially in recent weeks, a little bit more boring and a little bit weaker than I would have hoped for the NACL, but they definitely are a standout. There's someone who deserves props. And while I myself am not going to be the one to do it, it's an accelerationist deal, right? The big brain take is that we all should have picked three different people each for each of these. Uh, so we just had the most people to highlight, but they're definitely there on that list for me. And I'm happy to see them uh, featured by you. For sure. So that'll do it for our all pro lists. And we're at over an hour already. So Man. let's get into our bracket right away probably just ends up being a long episode i don't think i'm gonna try to split it into two uh that feels like it's just gonna be a mess so we're gonna just go for a long haul here everybody um so thank you all uh for hanging out for the all pro list and let's get into our round one predictions so hopefully i have some kind of graphic or something coming up here for uh what the bracket is going to look like uh i'm gonna obligate myself by bringing it up right here right now um and let's just start off. Let's go down the list in order. Yeah, and shout-outs to uh, YouTube for being the one place where you can see both the audio, full audio-visual experience for the Salt Mine. But, you know, for those of you listening on Spotify, we're going to try to keep this as straightforward and simple as possible. So, Gordo, I think it's a good thing that we start at the top with what is definitely going to be a 10-hour-long argument between two of the biggest contenders, CLG Faith versus C9 Challengers. I don't know, man. CLG Faith, they've been sorting all their power in mental fortitude into this one series. Maybe they get a win. I don't know. 
I, for the love of God, just want them to take a match off of someone. And maybe C9 challengers are going to slip up once. I'm going to say that this is going to be a 2-1 for C9. I, I think I come about as close to knowing as one can when making sports predictions. I predict 2-0 for Chilcot challengers. I do not think CLG Faith will win their second game of the season in their playoff series against Cloud9 Challengers, and you could quote me on that. Gordo, here's the thing, right? Like, maybe from a sterile sports betting perspective, it's correct to say 2-0 for C9 Challengers, right? But I am someone who has been ride or die for CLG Faith since the very beginning. I opened up the first episode after you handed the mic to me, where I said, and I'm rooting for CLG Faith, and I'm telling you, everything's gonna pay off. It doesn't have to be... a full match win right it just has to be one round taken by clg faith before they're inevitably knocked out of the nacl okay just give me this one i think that they could get a dub if not here maybe in losers bracket but i want them to do it against a team that is full ego seamroll mode right think about how delicious it would be if c9 challengers grief strap or griefs the game and finally clg faith like cockroaches come forward and get a single win so i'm only in for Niarco's positivity and and hope for clg faith well faith for clg faith like don't get me wrong and this is a perfect opportunity to segue into my football analogies real madrid won a game with two goals in two minutes so clg faith could potentially do something that statistically is much more doable than scoring two goals in two minutes but at the same time this is like manchester city going against the second division la liga team so, like, there's barely any chance that, that CLG Faith... Like, I, I don't even think that C9 challengers need to put their all to be able to win this match. I, I think they can play with one hand without being mean. And they still would 2-0 them. So, I, I'm going to go 2-0. And I'm not trying to... Like, I, I want to be as lenient as possible with CLG Faith because I have absolutely no hope for them. It is heartbreaking that my extended, protracted argument and all of my emotional labor is for me to convince you guys it is possible for CLG Faith to win a single match of League One of Legends, game, yeah. not even win the, the whole set versus C9 Challengers. Just get 2-1 and at least put up a fight before they go into the long night. All right. Well, we're at least unanimous for Cloud9, so I'm going to put in our, our little sheet here as we seed the lower bracket because we're going to do round one of the lower bracket too since I my understanding is that look the lolly sports site isn't updated the wiki isn't updated nobody's telling us what the schedule is going to be for these games um unless cubby has come through and dm'd us so I'm pretty certain cubby fell asleep so no we do not okay, even get okay. the recourse I'm, no I'm so certain like it's got to be Four upper bracket games on Saturday, four upper bracket games on Sunday, and then the four losers bracket games on Monday. That's just got to be what the schedule is. I Would make sense. Yeah, that makes yep. too much sense. So that's what we're going to predict. And if it turns out we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, uh, shame on us. Next week's episode maybe gets a little bit shorter. Or, you know, if one of these upsets happen, then we have a series to rediscuss. Let's move on. Now, from the easiest series to probably what should, at least seating-wise, be the hardest series to predict... Wildcard Gaming against TL Challengers. 
This is an interesting one, and I think my prediction is probably not the most common call, but I truly believe it to be the case. I think that TL challengers are going to 2-0 wildcard. And my reasoning behind that is, while wildcard has been a standout and talk of the town in the regular season, they drop a lot of random games here and there. And I genuinely believe when it comes to best of threes and best of fives, this is going to be their worst look and worst angle. Some of their cheese has been figured out. People are finally respect banning out <laughs> Moose Haters Garen, right? In these various angles, I think, especially given the fact that they had a very sloppy past week, makes me think that this could be the time for TL Challengers to really put the hurt on. And while I don't have the most faith in TL Challengers going super deep, I do believe believe that they are going to take it over wildcard and given the variance that wildcard has had i wouldn't be surprised to see them get dropped without getting a win in return yeah i, I think this is i'm not quite that low on wildcard but i think this is a tough matchup for them i think uh this is a well-coached team we've praised spawn a lot on this show before uh, and i think they'll prep well to what wildcard's gonna bring out i think maybe they run away uh in one game with one of their surprises but i think tl's well coached enough i also think bradley has got to wake up and start slamming lanes again at some point and when these teams matched in the regular season he did that against moose hater uh back last week so i i think he could do it again um i'm gonna predict a two to one for tl challengers ts you're the tl fan uh are you gonna make this a sweep I would love to, but I honestly don't think it's going to be the case. I'm actually, like, I'm going to go against all odds here and say that Wildcard will take one game. It's going to be 2-1 for TLC. Mm-hmm. And I, I like, I, I'm, I'm even worried because I think that Wildcard can actually take it 2-0. Like, the biggest thing with me here for TLC, and the reason why I do inch them, like, closer is because I do... Like Nyarko was saying it, Wildcard has a lot of potential for those like one-off games, but there are situations in certain games where they just simply let go in some ways that are kind of random and weird. And against teams that have players to contest them, which realistically TL should have, it's not that safe of a place. So I think TL is going to be able to run it off, but it's 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 scary. Like I think a two-one is what I would go for there, one hundred percent. All right, that is. All three of us predicting TL, so I'm going to enter this as a TL win for our little mock bracket here. Let's move on. Golden Guardians Challengers versus AOE Gold, which we have called them exactly zero times this season. They're just AOE esports to me. Um, I'll lead off on this one. Mm -hmm. I am taking Golden Guardians 2-0. I think there's been a great surge at the end here from AOE. But I think their best strength has been through mid-jungle. And I think Rose Thorn Young are, are just going to do that same thing better. Um, fun match against his former team for Young, though. Do want to shout out that narrative as well as uh, Young came up through AoE. Um, and this is now his first split as uh, on an official Challengers team. Um, and I think he's going to send his former team down to the loser's bracket. I think it's a good call that GG has been rallying later on in the season. Uh, you know, stocks galore on that front for TDS and company. I unfortunately cannot revel in riches in that way. But, you know, I still can bet on GG Challengers winning this matchup versus AoE Gold. That being said, I'm going to actually put it 2-1 because AoE, as you also said, is experiencing resurgence themselves. And I believe that they could find an angle, you know. They are a scrappy team. They, I think, are second only to TL first in regards to these provisional teams and how 
scrappily they in fact play and how many weird situations they get games into and because that is the case i think that they're going to be able to at least take it to them in one of these matches of this best of three i still am going to say ggc at the end of the day though comes out with the dub and i think it's going to be once again unanimous i think it's gdc but it's going to be gdc 2-1 for me because i think that they they lose out on a game like one of the things that i do think uh these professional teams are going to be able to do is scare with some game like at least the the, the upper ones like the ones that have more games on their side have ideas to try and scare off this sort of team so i can see them taking the games off on the side but i don't think they can take the series at least not aoe gold like probably I feel like I, the one I feel the more the most confident is more than is obviously fear. I think everyone is, and then the one that I think it's closer to getting to that spot is going to be AOE Gold because I feel like Wildcard is going to also be facing something with their like, what do you call it? the fact that they have too many rookies on their side because AOE Gold has players that have a lot of experience in this sort of situations particularly. I think that's a fair bid. Um, does look like it's a unanimous pick for GG Challengers, though, so I am going to mark them as winning on our mock bracket. Next match here is going to be Cincinnati Fear up against Evil Genius's Challengers. And maybe it is the Danny Expose and recent performances <laughs> that cloud my judgment, but I think Cincinnati Fear are flat eg right now we alluded to it very early on in this episode but man eg just looks rough right now guys and cincinnati fear is a team that i feel like a lot of people have rallied behind in terms of perceptions of an org it really is hilarious how cincinnati has just been on the up and up ever since their coaching fiasco and meanwhile eg has really been struggling in that optics department recently maybe not as much towards that challengers team and definitely not towards any of the players right that's not something that i want to bring into discussion but just overall i think that right now challenger eg challengers are a little bit boomed um cincinnati fear have been eminently consistent honestly for a provisional team and from there i'm going to O in favor of fear talk about ironic that that the two works <laughs> that that had the, the well i won't say issues but like had it stuff this this year so far are the ones that are going to be facing each other. I would love to see it a bit more, like more focus on, on the upper side just because of the fact that these are orcs that are talked about. And I will say, I care absolutely nothing about the Danny situation in this game. Like, I I don't think it affects because I simply think AG challengers are bad. Like, <laughs> the, like the amount of times I've been disappointed with them cannot go or underestimated. Like I said, they were going to be top three. And... The only top three thing that has been coming from them is a drama, not the actual play. So, so no, I, I have absolutely no hope. I don't have any expectations from them. Maybe they can turn around, but I think it's a 2-0 for Cincinnati Pierre. They are way better team. They play really, really well. They have things set out super nicely for how they want to work out. And also after losing the way that they did to TSM last uh, uh, this weekend, like... I just think it's just another moral hit. Like, it, for everything that has been going through, the fact that they lost that second game they went that, the way that it did, I just think that it hits even harder to their moral and to their mentality. Yeah, I'm also on Fear 2-0. I don't know what's up with this EG team, but they look completely dysfunctional. Uh, I will call out that they just underwent a coaching change. Um, sure. But in Week 7, that seems to have just made them worse, if anything. So... Um, 
you know, maybe it kicks in in week number two, and we get uh, a little a little something out of EG Challengers. But uh, at this point, from what I've seen, I'm not going to be predicting it. I am going to join the rest of the squad as a 2-0 for Cincinnati Fear. Keep racing through these here. Let's get into ooh, another tight one. Dig Challengers up against FlyFam. And unfortunately, unlike the CLG Faith train that I have been on for quite a while, I absolutely do not care about FlyFam. They dug their grave with my thoughts on them when they started winning more than two games, okay? And because that is the case, they are getting 2 owed by Dig Challengers. No contest. This is going to be the fastest series that we've, we are going to see in this first week. Um... The Cloud9 series, I think, will probably be faster. No. But Dig, Dig, will, Dig will take it 2-0. Uh, yeah, I'm taking a 2-0 there for Dig to Task Challengers as well. FlyFam has been rallying here at the end. It will not be enough. Dig Challengers, 2-0. You say that the C9 CLG Faith game is going to be the fastest, but honestly, there is nothing that CLG Faith does better than make me suffer for prolonged periods i think we're gonna see like a 40 minute banger where they're just able to hold off against like three separate baron pushes and while c9 can't quite get it to an end clg faith has zero percent chances of winning for like a solid 10 to 15 minutes see that is not suffering to you that's suffering to everyone that is watching that series so i don't think it's going to fall into that category that far now i do think at least like when you look objectively FlyFam will have a better chance against Dixie, so I don't expect the game to go to your side. I don't even expect them to be a threat, but at least it's it's impossible to be below CLG Faith. So I, at least that's going to be positive for them. I think it's a 2-0, and I hope that FlyFam can learn a lot from that and in the lower bracket do something nice. Oh, the Halcyon days when CLG Faith and FlyFam took games off of one another, and there was actual debate about which team was worse. <sighs> to to be back at that wonderful, wonderful salad days of early NACL, huh? Like a third of the stuck... players from that match <laughs> changed, by the way. <laughs> I'm so glad I stuck with CLG Faith being the worst of the two. I didn't flip flop in that regard. Oh boy, oh boy. So moving on back to some tighter matches. We have Fly Challengers taking on Immortals Challengers. Okay, maybe not moving closer to yeah, tighter yeah. matches. Uh yeah, I'm taking Fly Challengers 2-0 on this one. Um yeah, Fly looks totally unleashed since Masu Winsome arrived in proper. Uh and IMT will now be playing without Balulu uh as they have uh um subbed in uh what do they get for mid lane why am i blanking on Yusui. his name Yusui. Yusui. yeah thank you um so with uh with him coming in with Yasui coming in um yeah balulu was the only reason they even won some games this last week i think without balulu they would probably be like 12th or 13th seed and not 10th seed and um so fly challengers will be taking this one 2-0 in my books i will quickly second that like it's 2-0 I have no hope for anti challengers. Not because Yusu is a bad player or anything like that, but Bolulu really was doing such a heavy lifting out of that team. And then also they are going to start playoffs with a player that they barely have played with. So I just think that every like bait is against them. Uh, you see Winsome playing on the side of 5C and they've improved massively. Like that was one of the sad stocks that have hit against me 
because of how well they've played recently. So I have a lot of hope for Flyxy. I think they're going to perform really well and it's going to be a 2-0. Agreed. 2-0 for Flyxy all the way, in my opinion. Honestly, I'm sure we're going to talk about this a lot more next week when we move deeper on into the bracket and the inevitable occurs. But I really think that Dig C Fly Challenge is kind of season finale in a way. These teams are looking so hot. Uh, Fly Challengers in particular has been probably my favorite team to watch in the past few weeks. So I hope to see them, you know, not let up on the gas. I hope to see them just roll through Immortals Challengers like they are cardboard. And from there, we'll see, you know, hopefully a lot more of them as they continue their winter bracket run. From there, I believe we are moving down to CLG Challengers versus TSM Challengers. And, you know, yet again, Gordo, I am kind of awaiting the close matchups, I gotta say. Yeah, yeah, you know, we may have we may have worn them out a little bit uh, up at the top side of the bracket. The top half of the bracket certainly feels a little bit more competitive, at least to me. Um, but yeah, I think CLG are just the superior team here. Um, I think particularly this is a mismatch in regards to their strength. Uh, as we mentioned previously, TSM is going to want to play through top lane. I think their best recipe is when Svenskeren camps for Hauntzer. And I think there's, you know, perhaps nobody in the league better equipped to absorb that pressure than Jenkins. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Gamsu and Fake God are kind of more specialists in that category. Um, but, you know, I think Jenkins is, is certainly very well equipped to absorb that pressure. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I do not give a lot of chances to TSM. I take CLG 2-0. Yeah, 2-0 for me. This would be, would be diverged. I said 2-1 TSM. Really? Yeah, and... My reasoning is this. I do think that probably CLG is kind of the more consistent team and the one that I, I would say has the like the overall better play. But the reason, like the, the most recent play from TSM I really, really like, I think Neo has not been bad, a, bad, a bad player over on the other carry. Like I think he performed better for Academy to what Wild Turtle was doing. Like he may be doing well in LCS, but compared to what Wild Turtle was doing in Academy, Neo has been better. And in that sense, like, I think it allowed a little bit more overall dynamism, consistency, and, like, how do you call it, topness from the team. And I believe in Hunter and, and Spence Karen will be able to pull it up on the top side. Because even though you call, you, I do agree that Jenkins is probably, like, the one of the hardest matchups that you can put into trying to carry through your top lane, I also, like, I'm not fully sold that CLG's bot lane is that, like, like hyper carry potential so I, I think that it's going to be pretty similar in that sense now who can carry harder probably going to be clg and that's why i still feel like it's going to be a close to one but i think tsm is going to ear out in this particular series, in this particular one i think that you are highlighting the one angle that tsm does have in this series tds Meechin breezy is a lane that we have oftentimes said that we are down on and it's not really something that i'm looking forward to in terms of clg i think this is in fact going to hinder the performance as we move deeper on into the bracket but for me what you're highlighting in this conversation that we're having is kind of an argument for whether or not tsm could take a game i don't think they could take the full match um and so with that in mind i still am seeking 2-0 in favor of clg challengers but you are highlighting the possible way in which tsm can at least make clg sweat and i look forward to this competition i hope to see tsm 
come back. Um, and in fact, you know, they did have a 2-0 series versus EG this week, but given the vast amounts of flames that were dropping towards that team, I don't know how much that's going to be evidence of future performance, especially against a team that is definitely stronger. See, I, I actually really disagree with both of you guys on uh, on where Meech, uh, in particular, you know, I'm, I'm a little out on Breezy, but I think Meech in particular sits um, a lot in a lot better of a position right now than he did earlier in the season. Um, you know, my call way back when they were really underperforming was that I think their Lucian Nami was particularly bad, um, and I think they struggled a lot into the Caitlyn lanes. Um I think, you know, the Caitlyn lanes have fallen off a bit, or at the very least, you can ban them more easily now. Um, you know, you could dedicate a ban to Caitlyn, because I think uh, there's less bans that you need to dedicate elsewhere than there were at the beginning. And uh, I think now that Meech isn't spamming the Lucian so much, I think he's looked a lot better. I think his Ezreal's been good. I think his Senna's been good. I think his Zaya's been good. Um, and I don't know. I think that's shown as CLG has, like, overall looked better since that patch change. Um you know, they 2 owed Cloud9 challengers last week. Um, so I think they're kind of on a hot streak. I, I consider them strong in bot, uh, or at least stronger in bot than they were previously. Um, and, you know, obviously Jenkins and Copy were on my all-star teams. So I think uh, it is going to be a CLG 2-0. It's not like I'm, I'm giving like a huge credit to this because I still don't think that they are a stronger team, say it like that. I just... Like, I like the positives from them. I feel like the biggest mismatch in that whole game is going to be uh, Doxa against Copy. Like, True. it's just... It, Doxa has not been at all a shining light. I would even say that he's still, like, hinting sometimes. Like, it feels kind of sad in a, in a lot of situations. But, like, if your biggest deficit is going to be middling, you can play something safe. And in three games, it can still play pay off. Because I, I don't... Like, I don't believe enough... Or not believe, but I don't think CLG's bot lane can make a big enough lead that it will matter. Like, they cannot lose. And they will probably, like, be ahead in certain situations. But will the lead that they can create be enough in those situations to try, to try and just uh, destroy the game on the side of TSM? I don't think so. Like, from from what, like, pointing out onto Mitch, right? He's mu he feels like much more of that safe kind of AD carry that doesn't push the issue when needed to. He just, he deals a good amount of damage and he's safe. But Ezreal, Saya, and... Uh, I'm blanking on the His last Senna one. Like was it. good too, is what yeah, I said. The Senna. Like, those are, those are kind of scale, uh, scaling kind of AD carries that peel up for themselves that are safe enough. And I don't think that they push the issue enough to really make it so that your bot lane is going to be a big, big, big worry. And I feel like, like I'm saying, like, I still feel happy the fact that they took away well turtle means that they don't have that huge, like, liability in bot side. So it's a lot on what Hunter can make happen, really. And I do agree. It's looking really bleak. I think it's plausible, it's possible, but it would be fake to say that I believe 100% it's going to happen. Like, it's a 51-49 that I'm giving to TSM, and it's by this. Fair enough. Uh, so TDS, you'll get bragging rights if they do end up uh, taking the win there. But... Uh... On a two-to-one vote, we will advance CLG in our yeah, mock bracket here. So, final match of the upper bracket will be 100 challengers up against TL first. Uh, <laughs> for this one, I will I will go out on a limb here. I will say two-to-one 
for 100 Thieves Challengers. Uh, I don't believe in LJX's ability to stand up to the Destiny Unforgiven lane at all. Um, but I will put one in the TL Faith camp in case a Surdy surprises a Rusty Darshan and can carry through uh, top lane in the first game because Sniper is out for at least the time being. Uh, it's it, The 100 Thieves tweet says it's indefinite. Um, the Sniper tweet says it's a short break. So kind of hard to tell uh, how long it's going to be, but at the very least it'll be one week, right? So Darshan's in for this week. I've been sowing the seeds for this narrative this entire split, Gordo. When I put Surdy as my player of the week, when I said it earlier on in the discussion today, I think that TL first, they're super scrappy. Sure, they're like, what, 5-25 and 25 to end the regular season? But I think they're at least getting one win here versus 100 Thieves Challengers, who, as you said, has a roster swap in that top lane and has kind of, in terms of the top competitors of the league, been one of the more inconsistent teams. I think that they're going to drop a game. I don't think that this is going to be a series that suddenly TL first comes out on top in. But, yeah, I'm saying 2-1 pretty confidently in favor of 100 Thieves Challengers. I'm not so, that sold down on that. Like, I think it's going to be a 2-0, particularly because I feel like, yes, the changes with 100 Thieves are, like, not in the best moment, but they got the one of the best plug-and-play players possible. Like, if you had to put a player to replace someone and do a good job at that, like, I think uh, Darshan is one of the best at that position. Yes, he hasn't been playing that much recently, but I think that... For what the meta has been setting up to be for top lane in, in a way, like I think he is going to come in confidently. Like he can pick the Scion, the, the choke at the Malphite, and be good enough to allow for Unforgiven to carry. And I think that that's all he needs to do. And against TL first, which I think is a team that isn't better mechanically than 100 Thieves, then should be enough for them to be able to pull off a 2-0. At least here. So two things here. Uh, I'm going to wear two different hats. Uh, one okay. is my Darshan fan hat, uh, and that hat is asks, is there a chance that 100 Thieves might be better with <laughs> Darshan than with Sniper? And that's no hate to Sniper. I mean, I think he's performed pretty well, and I think his potential is through the roof, uh, given how young he is um, and how early in his career he is. Um, but you know, Darshan was like a top three top laner in this league last split when he was here. Um so if he can maintain that form, he might legitimately just make this team better. And you could argue he's coming off with a fresh mindset, right? Like because he did take a bit of a break, so he's kind of coming in with like much more of a dynamic mindset. Maybe even trying to look for more opportunities in the future, or trying to just set up himself for a much better like opportunity regard. I'm trying to look for a better word for it, but like more open to have better offers like that. So I think that maybe he's trying to. Improve his, like, his stocks. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. So probably with a better mindset. I think that that is going to be positive for 100 Thieves. Fair. And and now to take off my Darshan hat really quick, yeah. my Darshan fan hat, uh, to rant for a second here. Uh, I still really hate that teams uh, are, are going, are like, when they need these emergency substitutes, because we had two of them this week, and both teams choose to go for old school talent that most importantly to me isn't actively participating in the NACLQ circuit as their substitutes and I find that to be super frustrating like I there are 32 players in top and mid lane just competed 
to try to get into this league and are actively practicing in at least a semi-professional environment. And we go for Yasui, who hasn't played any competitive since the end of 2021. So he's over a year removed from any kind of competitive. And Darshan, who's pinned a tweet right now from less than a month ago, is taking a break from league to try to get good at Valorant. Like, I don't, I just, like, no hate to the individual players. I just hate that the orgs are going for this because I feel like it gets the whole incentive structure out of whack. Like, you would want to build a system where players that are academy level but don't get teams are incentivized to play in the qualifiers and maintain their skills and demonstrate their talents against the rest of the field uh, rather than just sit on their laurels stream and trust that the opportunities will come to them. I feel like this just throws the whole incentive structure out of whack and I don't like that teams are doing it. Bad norm for sure, but you know, shout outs to CLG Faith for, you know, getting town, getting Aaron, uh, mm-hmm. really trying to get that vertical structure to actually work and reinforce that for the NACL. But this and- is kind of a rough look here for 100 Thieves. Uh, you know, I think if Darshan wants to play, Darshan deserves a spot because they are very good. The issue is that I wish that they had to navigate something like the NACL queues to really get their name back out there and known before they can reaccess something like the NACL proper. But alas, they do what they do. And, um, you know, I think that they will, in fact, make 100 Thieves look pretty good for this bracket run. Yeah, and... and um also first of all also shout out to fly fam for bringing up hyper from NACLQs as well True. and uh i don't want to align with the uh i'll get all these get all these veterans out of the challenger league folks uh, like i don't want any of the if you're one of those people i don't even think i'm on your side uh i love the the riomas the doklas the the folks you know tony tops trying to do it himself right now the former academy and lcs players grinding back up through the qualifiers and re-entering nacl that's fantastic i want that all day every day they make the qualifier system more competitive by their presence uh, and that's exactly why i don't want them to be incentivized to avoid the qualifier system and say, ah, you know, I'm already academy tier. I either get the job or I don't, and there's no reason for me to play if I don't. So I understand the point, and I do agree that probably better to look into that regard, but trying to play devil's advocate as well, like for both of these teams, is it their long plan to try and replace these players? And that's my main question, right? Because like, if you don't want to replace a sniper, like you don't need to bring a player that has the upside for that you bring someone that can fill his spot until he comes back right and that's i think what their shine will be end up doing like i don't i don't expect him to to stay in 100 thieves for more than a, a split until sniper decides to come through so i can kind of understand in that regard and same for the 100 things thing like yes you see it's probably not the one that i would have hoped for to get but if it's just to patch things up while a blaze comes back, because maybe Baloo stays, but you want to keep a blaze for Academy, right? So maybe he wants to come back and he's willing to go for it. You patch it up for now. And if it doesn't work out like that, then you can go for an actual replacement. So I feel like that's more the regard, or at least like the angle that maybe these orcs are looking for. And that's why I'm, I'd be willing to give them more of a pass, because in that sense, I understand like Sniper, like we were talking about, is a huge talent that the that the NEC is getting so you want to try and keep him 
for as long as possible. And you don't want to try to look for a, a guy that maybe can replace him or not replace him, but maybe can fill his spot. And then you're kind of stuck with a, uh, two players in this situation and you don't know really what to do. So I feel like in that sense, I can kind of understand from 100 Thieves side. But it also like takes away from trying to keep opportunities. So it's not like I cannot understand both sides in that sense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I would rather see an approach like what EG did. You know, give they gave Robbie Bob a few weeks, uh, and now he's back in the qualifiers on Team Fish Taco. I think that's that's how it should be. You know, if you want a veteran top laner to come in and just be a be a warm body, uh, you know, Tony Top and Alorum are right there. I'm sure they'll do it. You know, I, I would rather they go for them than interrupting Darshan's Valorant run. I would hope that he gets to complete that. Um Again, no hate to Darshan. I am a Darshan fan. I just, uh, I, I wish we lived in an environment where it was considered a prerequisite that you play the qualifier to get shots at uh, NACL. But anyway, rant mode over. I think we're all predicting 100 Thieves Challengers to win this. So let's do our run through the four losers bracket matchups, and then we can round out this already incredibly long episode. So first matchup. It's a tight one, guys. It's CLG Faith against Wildcard Gaming. It's certainly tight, Gordo. And, you know, it's so tight that I think this is going to full three games. You see, guys, there, there's this little thing that I do whenever I get the luxury of watching the actual Twitch broadcasts for uh, the NACL, which is I perpetually am stuck at zero channel points because I bet everything on CLG Faith every single game. And... I desperately would like to build up my nest egg and one dub can do it guys. Cause I guarantee you I'm doing like one to two, 72 odds whenever I bet the house on them. So here, if it doesn't happen with the first CLG faith game, when they play against C9 challengers, I think they're going to do it here versus wildcard. We even set the precedent. We even talked about the fact that wildcard is a more inconsistent team that occasionally gets themselves found out. Maybe that's going to happen here. And maybe all of a sudden I'm going to be reveling in riches. Uh, Narco betting the cardboard box on them aside. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, this is my last chance to uh, to do it to you here, Nyarko, so I'm going to take full advantage of it. It's wildcard 2-0. Get the hell out of here, CLG Faith. You're 1-33. Uh, see you again. Hopefully next split. I hope you don't get relegated. I'll say that much. Eh, I'm, I'm, not that, I'm not that good of a guy. I, I If they get relegated or not, like that, okay. I It's a 2-0 for me, for me as well. I don't have faith in them. I'm, I will keep going with this pawn as much as I can. I don't have faith in them. I think they're going to lose. And sorry, Nyarko, no. You see, the accelerationist take is if they get relegated or if they get knocked out of the bracket here, I kind of hope they get relegated because then if they try to make it back through NACL qualifiers, I get to cast them. Or at least I can push as hard as humanly possible to cast them. So, you know, get a, get in the comments. I think that, you know, this could be the step forward that I need to get in touch with one of my favorite teams. I it feel very bad about their chances. And let's, you know, Cut my fandom aside, it truly is probably going to be 2-0 in both of these series for them, as unfortunate as it is. I just really hope that they show out at least once before they are completely knocked out. Um, and, you know, they got six games ahead of them, or, well, you know, I don't actually know how many games ahead of them they have, or, like, how you're supposed to define it with two unplayed best of threes, but they have two BO3s to at least get one victory. Just for me, guys. Just for me. Well, at least four. They have <laughs> at least four. 
at least four more games to try to make it happen. And yeah, we'll see. Four more chances to disappoint Nyarko. We will move on here. AOE Gold up against EG Challengers. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Based on recent performance, I think AOE could take this one. Uh, the mm-hmm. mid-jungle focus, again, I brought this up as their their weakness in the previous series. Uh, and given that it's Shade and Ryoma, I can't believe I'm saying this, but EG just look like they're in shambles. Uh, based on current performance, unless new coaching staff has a big turnaround, I'm going to take AOE Gold 2-1. to one. You know, Gordo, I don't think we talk enough about AOE Gold. I feel that out of all the provisional teams, they're the one we feature the least. And so given that that is the case, I also do genuinely believe that they are going to knock out EG in this first loser's bracket round. And I do think that it is going to be a victory for them. I'm saying 2-1, but it's not only do I think this is going to happen. I really hope it happens. I think that would be super, super fun. Am I the contrarian this episode? Because I'm 2-1 for EG. And I like I still believe everything I said about them. They're a trash can of a team as of now. But like realistically, the upside of their players can carry them. And I think that I, I, I give AoE Gold the opportunity to get one of the games. But I'm also haven't been impressed with AoE Gold at all in the whole of the split. Like you're putting two teams that well, one has been less impressive than the other to not say like a complete disaster compared to the other. And I still think that EG, if, if, if they're going to turn around anything, it should be at this point in the split. It's also double them so they can correct their mistakes. Like they will have even more prep time for the second part than for the first part, if they are able to pull it off, depending on how the schedule goes and all that. But realistically, they should get enough more time for the loser's bracket than for the winner's bracket or the upper bracket. So as long as they have some plan, man, I can see them winning this out. Now, I don't sound really convincing. I know that. I will stay by the fact that they have looked like a trash can of a team. But I can see their players turning around because they do have good players. They haven't. They just haven't shown up yet. Yeah, I, I think it's just it's going to all come down to recency for me. I mean, AOE's on the upswing. We called it out. I think Winnie and Dark Wings have been looking really good. Um, and I think EG looks boomed. They're, they just look like they're done. Um, I hope that they keep this new coaching staff in to uh, summer, um, and, and don't make too many roster changes, if any. I mean, I hope they get King in, because I know he was the intended starter, um, and we get to just see them take a second crack at it. But, uh, yeah, I think it's, it, they appear boomed for this split, so I think it's time to to bow out and try again next split and i'm gonna take it for aoe gold i think that's a two to one vote and uh is a win for aoe i'm sorry tds you've been outvoted once again yeah and yeah. <laughs> now now eg challengers has to go home it's the results are based on these predictions here um moving on fly fam immortals challengers i want to go first in this one because i don't think I'm going to be the contrarian in this one. I have IMT, but I think Flyfam will take a game off of IMT. I, I like I, IMT is one is one of the teams that I have like less hope for in the sense that because they took away Bolulu, like it's going to be really difficult for them already to try and play off of their strongest win condition. And then like we were talking about, like Yuzu is coming off 
without a lot of practice with the team. And then like a situation that is weird for IMT. It's not like they are still putting a lot of that, of the X on IMT's side. And they also have ADD, which I've previously stated. I don't think it's a good top laner. So it just like, I don't like think they are going to win in a straight up manner. Like they will win, but I, I think Flyfam with their upswing can take a game away, away against them. Yeah, that's my prediction as well. I have IMTC two to one. Um, you know, Flyer in the upswing with Hyper. I have very low faith in Yasui. Um, so I think those two factors can combine. But it is still Flyfam. I think Wixie and Joey can handle the bot lane. Uh, I also think, like, listen, we've been ADD haters since week one, especially because he had an embarrassing week one, let's be honest with ourselves. I will keep but he seems to have found his groove. He's, like, spamming Cho'Gath and Olaf every game, and it seems like it's a good pool for him. He's looked, I think, a lot better um, during the kind of Immortal Surge here. I I'm sure that's going to end with the loss of Balulu, but I think it'll be enough to get Fly uh, taken out and to get Immortals over the hurdle. I do believe that Immortals is going to 2-0 FlyFam, unfortunately. But, you know, if there was a call that I think was closest in regards to the granularity of individual games, this is one of them. I think that FlyFam may even have the possibility of going up 2-1. I wouldn't put my weight behind it, but Immortals is very much an unknown quantity going on into these playoffs because of their roster swaps, because they themselves have been pretty much reliant upon a full-on carry performance from Balulu almost every game that they've gotten a dub in recently. That's something that really worries me. All right. And then on to the final series that we will cover this week. That would be, based on our predictions, TSM Challengers up against TL first. So I want to ask quickly here, because if, like, I said, like, TSM goes, right, goes on by, right? So, like, do I... Talk a little bit about if they if it's CLG or do we just talk as if it was DSM in general? Um, I would say we just go by what the podcast says. But if you want to talk about CLG okay. versus TL, you could do that too. I'm not gonna stop you. I'll like I'll take I I'll get it out of the way. Like I think either goes down, either wins. Like both of them should two zero. Realistically, it's TL first. I have no no real like expectations out of TL first roster, so I don't think that really it. Either of them goes down, the other should be able like to take out TL first. Be it with Hunter carrying them out of their minds, or just TLG being the better overall team. So I have I don't think TL first is gonna give the surprise. Yeah, I, I think this is another unfortunate mismatch for the TL side. Um, you know, kind of the same thing I was saying about CLG versus TSM, but like cranked up to eleven. You know, if TSM leans heavily towards playing through top side. Uh, TL first has like collapsed fully on one side towards playing towards top side. Um, you know, especially since the change of bot lane, they need to play through Surdy every single game. Um, that is their only way of playing, and it will be very hard for them to play that way up against Hauntzer, Svenskaren, who are experts at playing through that top side as well because of their own experiences this split. Um, it's very hard for TL first to push through mid and to play through mid, even up against a weaker mid laner like Doxa. Um, and I would say it's like impossible for them to play through bot. Well, LJX is down there. No offense to him, but 
He just does not appear to be up to the caliber of the league from what I've seen so far. And it's not like Rovex has some all-star support either. So, yeah, I think it's a bit, it's a, there are very few matchups that TL first could win in this bracket, but I think this in particular is a really tough matchup for them. Uh, it will be TSM 2-0 in my book. There, I believe to be an argument for TL first getting a game for similar reasons as we established in the mainline bracket. But regardless of if it's 2-1 or 2-0, TSM Challengers is probably going to be moving on from them. Maybe TL first, that full collapse towards Surdy pays off or something like that. And all of a sudden, boom, he's out Hauntsering Hauntser. But I don't believe that that is the case. You know, I was close to shortlisting Surdy for the all-star team uh, in regards to the top lane. But, you know, there's absolutely no way that I'm putting them above Hauntser on that scale. So there's no way I could put them above Hauntser here. And given that they are the ones that solely can wear these tailor-made carry pants for TL first. I don't believe that we're going to be getting a series that they're winning in this elimination bracket. Given that we've got both of them getting eliminated as the first four teams here, uh, you guys, if, if EG challengers had just kept Surdy, do you think they'd be a lot better? Cause I, I think they would Ooh. be, I, I think they'd actually have been like a substantially better team if they could like play through topside consistently this, this split. <laughs> It's tough to say. Like, I'm thinking thinking about it realistically based on performances. That should be the case, but also like, I don't think Solo was necessarily like Solo was not a bad player before the split, right? So I feel like it has to be something inside that is just affecting players, and I think that maybe Surdy ends up being in a similar situation. But based on performances, probably yeah, because Surdy has been playing way better than Solo. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know, just wanted to throw that out there as a hypothetical, but that'll do it. This is going to be a nearly two-hour episode. Uh, it's a good full playoffs primer for the NACL. Hopefully, we got some new eyes in here who haven't been watching throughout the regular season but want to tune in for the playoffs. Uh, I still love this playoffs format. I'm so glad we kept it for Proving Grounds. Uh, just giant 16-team double elimination bracket uh in march of all months you know it's a really uh, appropriate time for big fat brackets and uh i'm really looking forward to this one kicking off i'll post my full bracket on twitter um maybe some of you guys will do the same and uh that'll do it for this week's episode of the salt mine we will be back next week to break down what's happened and make some more predictions for the next week uh, as well as keep score for how we've uh, been predicting thus far as a show. But thank you all for tuning on in, and we will see you all next week. Until then, have yourselves a great day.